0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 320 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Seth, Fred Olive, and we have the full crew here this week kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you today, Richard?
1: Hey, Seth. Doing good, doing good. How are you doing?
0: Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, we have kind of a weird week podcast-wise. Not a ton of news, but we have a few topics, and I think they're pretty interesting. But before we get into that, we got another co-host. In Krim, what's up this fine Monday, Krim?
2: Uh, nothing much. Just, uh, yeah, like another week.
0: This time with some, you know, some potential promos. So Yeah, so topic-wise today... We're kind of in the, the calm before the storm. We're past Times Fire Remastered Spoiler Season. That comes out the end of this week. We're like 10 days or something away from the start of Strixhaven Haven Spoiler Season, which is the 25th of this month, apparently. So we don't have any like spoilers to talk about or new sets, but we have some interesting topics. Uh, a big one that we're going to start with is the idea of outside assistance on Arena. This is a conversation that came up on Twitter over the weekend uh, about streaming in tournaments. Uh, getting help from friends in tournaments. Uh, In digital, it's a little different than in paper where you got judges there that can see it. Is that something we should worry about? Is there, I don't know, even a way to enforce it? So we're going to talk about outside assistance in digital magic tournaments. We got some Modern Horizons 2 news this week, and we also got some new promos coming from Japan that we wanted to mention. And then, of course, answering your fish mail. So that's kind of the overview of today's cast. Before we get into that, A reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit. And if you've ever tried to sell your Magic cards it's a lot of work. You got to do a lot of typing, a lot of sorting, a lot of shipping. Well, Card Conduit, they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards. And if you want to avoid all the hassle and all the time it takes to sell your cards, this new service from the folks at Card Hoarder will sort, grade, and sell your magic cards for you. And once the shipment's processed, you'll get the proceeds minus their fee. And right now, you can get a 10% discount by heading over to CardConduit.com slash goldfish. So thank you to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And Uh, let's talk some magic let's start with this idea of outside assistance i guess most specifically on arena but it applies to magic online too outside assistance in digital magic tournaments and uh, just to kind of set the stage the idea of outside assistance is if you're at a paper gp or something you obviously can't like be playing a match and look back to your friend and be like hey what do you think should i keep this should i mulligan like what should i play this turn that's against the rules but if you're sitting in your house and you're just playing a magic tournament, how would anyone even know if you're doing that? Or if you're streaming and your Twitch chat's like, hey, hey, you forgot about something. Is that outside assistance? Is that something that should, like, be banned and regulated? So, first off, uh, do you guys... What do you think about this idea of outside assistance in digital magic tournaments? Like, is it even something we should care about? Is it even worth having this conversation?
2: You know, I... (laughs) It, I, I could see why. Like, I mean, I, I get it because, I, you know, playing in paper tournaments, you know, there would always be – that was extremely frowned upon. Don't comment on the match. Don't do all this stuff. Whereas, like, when you're on Twitch, that's, like, exactly what chat is doing. Uh And I myself don't think much of it, but that's because I am the person streaming and I'll always interact with chat. But I guess my intent behind interacting with chat isn't much so more about – Getting an answer on how to play magic or how to make this play or how for them to beat me is more of just interacting and engaging. Uh So I think it's totally fine because the spirit of why I'm talking to chat, why I'm looking at chat and all of that isn't to like uh, get an edge on the opponent. Right. I mean, although it does get into this gray area where I've competed in some tournaments you know what I mean, and then you'll kind of be like, "Oh, well, should I do this, this, and this?" But then I realize I probably shouldn't look at the answer because, am I getting outside assistance? I don't know. It feels weird. It, it only when I'm like in a tournament, though, like like on an online tournament, I feel a little weird. But I, it's it's just like one of those things where you don't, I don't know, I don't know how to resp-
0: how to feel about it, right? It's like. And I I think it's important to point out that I haven't seen anyone arguing about just, like, playing on the ladder, like a random stream. I haven't heard anyone coming down and being like, hey, like, I don't know, you made it to Mythic and you were streaming and that's, like, cheating or something. So I think that the conversation that's been happening is more focused on, like, the tournament end. If you're playing an actual tournament, that's where some people seem to have an issue with that, maybe being outside assistance. which you kind of, like... Hinted at yourself, I guess, feeling weird about it. What What do you think about this issue, Richard?
1: So, like, from a competitive perspective, it shouldn't be allowed, right? From a competitive perspective, it's 1v1. However, it is 100% unenforceable, right? So we should just forego this notion that online tournaments are highly competitive, right? Online tournaments are just, like, a for-fun thing, and we should embrace the streaming aspect of it, right? Like, you should be able to talk to chat. You should be able to play with your friends because there's no way to enforce it, right? Like if you say no outside assistance, how do you enforce it? Like there's zero chance it's enforced. So you might as well just go the other way and say, like, you know, you're not going to win a pro tour online, right? Like if if you want to actually determine the best player, it has to be a controlled environment where there's judges and there's no outside assistance, like no overlays, no friends, no chat, etc. But for just like just a normal tournament, it's like for fun right? So, have at it, right? Like, you know, the streaming part is probably more important, right? Like, when you stream, you are probably handicapping yourself immensely, right? If your opponent just tunes into your stream and sees your hand, like, it's over for you. But you're like, whatever, right? It's for fun, it's for entertainment, uh, the you know, the collective experience. So, I would say for online tournaments, they should not take themselves as seriously and just, you know, relax the rules because there's no way to enforce, like, the actual strict rules.
0: Yeah, I think... I think it matters the level of the tournament as well. Like, one of the things people brought up as far as the enforceability issue is like, technically, you could require everyone to stream, you could require there to be some sort of like, uh, all your monitors being captured and like sent to Wizards so they could see everything you were possibly doing on your computer, The thing is, you can't really do that for an arena open. Like, I think the idea of having, like, an arena open or an arena qualifier is you want a ton of people to play. Like, we're moving into mobile. You want someone to be able to, like, pick up their iPhone or their Android or whatever and, like, join this tournament. That's good for Wizards. That's someone giving them money to play in this tournament. So I don't think Wizards wants to have there be this huge barrier to play any sort of arena tournament. On the other hand, when they do like their their MPL things, where it's just, you know, you have whatever, 30 people that are playing, it's all MPL versus rivals. If they want to have a higher level of enforcement for that, to make it more like MPL-y, that, I think that would be fine. Like if that's a concern, but I really think... Uh, kind of like you said, you got to value accessibility on Arena because Arena is supposed to be like the new player client, the client anyone can play, the one with the free-to-play mode. And if it's like, oh, you have to have a webcam, you have to be streaming, you have to have all this special software to play in Arena open or something, I think that greatly hurts Arena. The other thing is... uh <laughs> I don't know if I would consider Twitch chat to be assistance in general. Like, my experience (laughs) streaming is, I do way, way worse. Like, the definition of assistance, I I believe it's supposed to be like helpful. Twitch chat, a lot of the times, and I love you, Twitch chat, but most of my experience with Twitch chat is explaining why I can't like ghost quarter a lotus field for the 10th time in a row because it has hexproof or something or fatal push a slippery boggle. Like, yeah, there are times when Twitch chat points out something. Thing I completely missed. And there's even times when we win a match because of that, where I didn't see something and they are like, hey, 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 look at this. And then we end up winning. But if I just compare my win percentage, like streaming versus just playing off camera, it's meaningfully higher. Like, I think it's close to like 15 percentage points higher. So I think over the long run, sure, maybe once in a while you will win a match, you would have lost because of chat. But over the long run, because you're multitasking, because you're trying to entertain, because you're answering a ton of questions. You shouldn't be streaming if your only goal is to, like, win a tournament. Like, you're, you are handicapping yourself, in my experience. What do you think, Krim? Uh, is streaming a benefit or a drawback if your only goal is to win a tournament? Obviously, I stream because it's fun and I want to interact with the chat. Like, that's my primary goal over winning. But if you're just trying to win, do you think that chat's actually, uh, you know, an upside or a drawback? You know, once again, love chat. But... but uh. <laughs> I'm going to have to li- align with you there.
2: It is – it is like I, I've – you know, I was able to win a tournament online, but it's way different, right? Because I'm still trying to juggle entertaining and all that too, like you had mentioned. So, yeah, like my percentage points are much higher when I'm playing by myself and I'm like, you know, just kind of off stream. So <laughs> love chat, but but I, I think actually having that uh, and like having a multitask is a huge drawback. Like, it, it's kind of just, like, in a paper tournament, if you're sitting there and you're, like, double-queuing, you're playing Hearthstone, you're playing another game, you're doing all these other things at the same time, you're running all these operations while also playing your tournament game. So, it's a lot harder to win while streaming.
1: I mean, I mean that's the, the non-optimized way, right? Imagine you are LSV and you are playing Polo but Reed Duke is in your chat, right? It's like 2v1 at this point, right? Like that is the the better way to get an advantage, right? Or uh, maybe Seth is streaming and LSV decides to pop in and drops him. A line he didn't see, right? And, you know, Seth ignores the other 900 lines of random, uh, <laughs> mythic arena players and listens to LSV, right? So there, there are definitely ways you could get an advantage, but for the average person, you're right, right? Just the act of streaming, the fact that you have to talk to people, uh, you know, you'll play significantly worse. And then you gotta cut the noise because half of chat will be incorrect. Maybe there's a correct line in there somewhere, but good luck finding it, right? And your opponent could be in your chat too, giving you a severe disadvantage. So, but yeah, but there, there are ways, like imagine playing against an MPL member who lives in a team house and they have four teammates huddled around their computer, right? Kind of, kind of like during, uh, back in the day when we had pro tours and there were pro tour houses, you see them drafting on Moto, and you see like four of them together, like working together on like some ideas or some strats, like good luck being the player playing against them, right? Like there's no way you're going to win, right? (laughs) So like that could happen. Um... Or maybe mode, so, yeah, you I don't, do win. Maybe you do win and You just like put five notches in and, your belt to take down all the PL members but, at once. But you, right? would, you wouldn't on even know, though. Take. Oh yeah, you wouldn't know. <laughs> so,
0: like, <laughs> and I, I think that's part of the the issue with focusing on streaming because some people are like, oh, just like make everyone stream with a ten minute delay or something. Which but, I why really stream like that? Well, right. yeah, exactly. Right. Like, like I dislike that solution because it just kills your stream. I mean,
1: have you seen? Since the pandemic started, right, people go to school still and they take exams. Have you seen the Reddit threads of how, like, people try to cheat during exams and how basically all the attempts to circumvent this is futile? Like... You have to have a webcam and it has to be pointed at your face and your eyes can like never look off the screen. And they're like, well, get your buddy to stand behind your monitor holding up a laptop and then (laughs) he'll use like Morse code (laughs) to, you know, like there's always ways to get around it. Right. There's no way you can make it bulletproof. So like what's what's the point? Right. Like you might as well just embrace it and like make it part of the format. Right. Like. You know, if you win a large arena tournament online, there is an asterisk beside it, right? You don't know if that was a player playing. You don't know if they had help. You don't know anything, right? So there's just a little asterisk there, which I think is fine, right? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think the other problem with focusing on streaming in specific and like Twitch chat, whether or not it's assistance, is. There's tons of other ways you can get assistance. Like, you, you want to what the best assistance is, is being, like, a pro-level player and having a lot of friends that's a pro-level players and being able to be, like, LSV and just, like, Discord, Reduke or something. Which, how would anyone ever know that? It wouldn't be on screen. It would be on a second monitor. You could do it on your phone if you wanted to. And how would anyone ever know? Not that LSV or Reduke would do that. But you know what I'm saying? Like, just putting stream on a delay, that eliminates... The maybe assistance that Twitch chat could theoretically be in some cases, but might not even be. Uh, But it doesn't eliminate all the other ways that you could contact someone else or having four people in the house that are, you know, not in front of your camera. Maybe you're not streaming and you got all your friends over and they're like helping you through the draft. So I feel like focusing on Twitch in specific, even if you did make everyone stream on a 10 minute delay. That wouldn't even, like, solve the problem. That's not like no one can ever get outside assistance. There's tons of ways you could get assistance from someone if that's what you wanted to do without using Twitch chat or streaming at all.
1: You can just have your own notes on a piece of paper and read it, right? That's not allowed during a paper tournament. That's only allowed during sideboarding. Uh, So you you can just do very simple things like that, right? That, uh, you know, theoretically... You know, you shouldn't be able to do in a paper tournament. You can have, like, your little deck primer up. You know, what do I do if my opponent turns two (laughs) Tarma right? (laughs) Easy victory. Concede. (laughs) Concede. Right? Like, you can have all your notes there. Like, there's so many ways to gain an advantage in an online tournament over a paper tournament.
0: Yeah, and we've already seen, like, Mythic Invitationals, where if Wizards does want to run, like, a real quote-unquote tournament on Arena... You get everyone in the same place and you have two computers up on a stage and you eliminate it. And then it's essentially the same as a paper tournament, uh, assuming like arena doesn't crash or whatever and mess up things that way. But you you know what I'm saying? Like in that situation, it's the same. So if you want to do a pro tour or something and you're concerned about outside assistance, there are ways to do it. Like people run digital tournaments and everyone's in the same event. So does that mean we should be discounting? arena results like when you hear oh someone won uh, i don't know the keldheim whatever whatever which is apparently supposed to be kind of like a pro tour or something Uh, do you think of that you personally think of that the same as winning a paper pro tour in the past
2: i i I mean i would still say that's a quite an accomplishment right like you have a lot going against you um and you and yeah you do have some things that have like are going for you too but like i i would still say uh, we we shouldn't discount it. It's still quite the feat because yeah, like like we had mentioned, right? Like we're still doing a lot of things while streaming. So I I don't know. I I I, I wouldn't say that like uh well, no. I wouldn't even say it's lesser. I would say it's still pretty decent. If like I won an online Pro Tour and a paper Pro Tour, I would consider them the same or whatever Mythic Championship, Mythic Invitational, paper or online doesn't matter. I would still say they're both.
1: Quite. I mean, even with outside assistance, winning like 10 matches of Magic or 12 yeah. or whatever, like, is impossible, right? <laughs> like Even if you had LSV in your back pocket, you probably wouldn't win a Pro Tour or anything like it. Not even like a Grand Prix, maybe a PTQ you could take down. But even then, like, I wouldn't give it 100% odds. So it is still a feat. But I think there is still an asterisk, right? Like, we don't know if that was the player that did it, right? Like, I think with most kind of e-sporty games, like, if you win a lot of online tournaments... You're still not proven until you win at land, right? Because in, in person is when they know like there is no cheating. There's nothing, you know, nothing can be go, go wrong, right? So a lot of times people have to prove themselves on the biggest tournaments and those biggest tournaments are usually, uh, in person. Uh, so I, I would say it still counts, but I, I do think there is an asterisk there.
0: Yeah. I think at the same time, I think it a little bit goes both ways. So, Uh, Yes, I think that there is a bit of an asterisk, but then you could argue it from the other perspective where it's like, oh, remember, I can't remember the guy's name. Do you remember the, the amulet boom player when that deck first took off that was like made the deck popular and was like winning everything and then it turned out that he got caught stacking his deck and he was actually just like stacking <laughs> the perfect amulet at titan hands and he got banned like oh, yeah, that can't happen yeah. on arena or on moto like that's yeah. so at the same time maybe paper has an asterisk because how do you know if someone's really good at sleight of hand and like actually just cheating right on camera like Alex Berncini with some of the stuff he pulled off in paper that wouldn't work in you know an actual digital event so I guess I could see that side of the argument too that yeah Maybe you get outside assistance, potentially, in digital. But at the same time, you know you're not cheating. Because I've also looked at the other way. Like, when there's been players who were suspected of cheating in paper, one of the defenses... Of those players was while they also like crush it on moto and you can't stack your deck on moto so if you're like killing it on moto man maybe you're not cheating in paper because that kind of shows that you are at least playing by those rules so I could see I can see it going both ways as far as which deserves an asterisk maybe they're just different like maybe they're equally hard to pull off and equally deserving of you know praise for being able to win but maybe they're just a little bit different than each other
1: I mean the answer is Mythic Invitational right in person on computer- computer no cheating possible right but i mean if you i don't know like if you're the kind of person that spends the time like if you're confirmed cheater in person right in person requires a lot of skill i would say right like you need to practice like dexterity things and it's not something that anyone can just do you need to actually put some time into it if you were to do that wouldn't you do the same thing online as well and cheat there too? Like, it's much easier to cheat online than in person. So, I don't know, yeah. right? But it's, like, guess, it's very easy to just ask your friend on Discord. It's another thing to, like, become a magician for, like, two years <laughs> learning how to, like, shuffle the bottom card <laughs> of your library on top while not moving it, right? Like, that, that's a little that's- difficult compared to, you know... <laughs> checking the reddit thread of how to play my deck right like
0: that's that's why I'm never worried about anyone thinking I'm a cheater because they've seen me just try to shuffle a deck normally it, hurts. it actually hurts so they know watching you there's really no shuffle. way I'm stacking the deck I mean Seth was most likely a cheat
1: because he didn't properly randomize because he cannot actually shuffle <laughs>
0: yeah. Acc- accidentally cheating That yes that is that is a risk that I've worried about before like oh what if my bad shuffling makes people think I'm doing something sketchy when really I'm just really bad at shuffling I, th- I think that's one of the funniest Things,
2: watching you shuffle your deck at like gp vegas i might like it just hurt me i was just like, I, I don't understand
0: seth what are you doing i'm bad at shuffling but like holy
1: hell oh watching him try to shuffle like a black lotus
0: oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I, was, I was scared then <laughs> all right so all right here's another question for you most of Most of the pushback about this idea of outside assistance seems to come from kind of like the old guard magic pros uh, that have been doing this for a very long time, which I guess in one sense makes a lot of sense because they're used to playing paper magic like that's you come from a tournament structure where outside assistance is like very much against the rules. And if you've been doing that for 20 years, I can see why you'd be like, hey, Twitch chat, like maybe they gave him good advice. That might not be fair. At the same time, are not old guard magic pros like known for scouting and having teams like looking over the rail trying to figure out what cards are in their potential next opponent's decks and so forth like how is that not outside assistance like is this a situation where it's like it's okay when we do it in our like very elitist professional way that we've done for 20 years but when some random person can like you know, have a Twitch stream and maybe someone gave him advice. We can't have that because, you know, so do you think there's any like elitism in this with a uh, with how the breakdown is men, as far as who is for and against this?
1: Maybe, but unintentionally. Like I don't think they're like, oh, we're elite, so we should stop that. But like they're used to doing things a certain way. So when this new thing comes along and they're like, hey, you know, that doesn't seem allowed, right? But they don't see that, oh, they've been doing this thing that's also not allowed, but like, it comes down to what's written in the rules, right? Like, there is no rule in the pro tour that says you can't scout. So they go ahead and scout, right? Are there rules about outside assistance in these online tournaments? If there's not, then yeah, people can do whatever they want. It's technically within the rules. Uh, but if, they're, if they are written in the rules, then that is technically not allowed, right? So yeah, you're getting outside assistance, but you're getting outside assistance within the current rules allowable at a paper tournament, right? And, you know, big teams do have that advantage where they can send out a lot of scouts, right? Big teams have the advantage where you can play test and stuff like with your teammates uh, before important matches. Uh, but those are all within the rules. So the question is, like, should we codify the rules more explicitly for online tournaments? Should there be a single set of rules? Because I'm pretty sure every tournament organizer just makes up some random set of rules. Maybe there should be one official set that's applied to every tournament.
0: And I feel like you get in the same issue with scouting that, like, how do you ever enforce that? (laughs) Like, how do you how do you know if someone is, quote unquote, scouting or if they're just wandering around between their matches watching magic, which a lot of people do at a tournament or a GP or something? So I kind of feel like you have the same issue where, like, I just don't know if it's practical or possible or even desirable to try to enforce the outside assistant thing uh, in in digital. Like, it just seems like so much work. With such a minimal payoff and possibly like really hurting the entertainment value of the streams of the events if you did go to a system where you're going to like force everyone to have a, a long delay. And even that wouldn't like solve all the potential issues with outside assistance.
1: But is someone actually advocating, like, not allowing people to stream while they're playing? Uh,
0: Well, no, I don't think it's not allowing people to stream. It's more like wizards could require... Like, we have the technology to enforce this. Wizards could require everyone to stream. They could require them to have a webcam uh, that is on so you can see where they're looking, make sure no one else is, like, in the room with them or whatever. So there are ways that you could try to make sure that people weren't getting outside assistance. Whether those ways would... You know, keep someone. I don't know, I Maybe you got to not let your cell phone be on camera. I don't know why someone couldn't like text a friend or something and ask him a question. <laughs> Who's so. going to
1: monitor like a thousand magic players like playing like Uro
0: and <laughs> four, Go? Four, like, four, four, four Watsy intern Four like, 12 <laughs> rounds. Right. Oh, the, oh you're the intern? Here you go. I got so <laughs> they something Finished for designing you. historic anthology four. <laughs> now <laughs> they're on to watching a thousand magic streams. <laughs> uh,. Yeah, so, Krim, wrapping back around to something you mentioned at the beginning that I thought was interesting. As a streamer, uh, you play more tournaments than I do. I don't really – I've done a few tournaments, but I don't really do tournaments. How do you deal with it personally? Uh, Just – and this isn't a right or wrong thing. This is just how you deal with it personally. When you're streaming in a tournament, you mentioned, like, feeling weird about looking at some things chat said. Is that something, as a streamer, you try to avoid? It's – I, like –
2: I don't necessarily – I like to look at chat as like kind of a – you know how like before you in school you would have like an answer sheet, right? You're doing math problems. There's an answer sheet, yada, yada, yada. All the correct answers are there. You could have always looked at it. But instead of looking at it directly, I, I actually like taking the line that I'm going to take and then kind of going over to see if chat might have had some other lines or maybe the correct way of doing it. Uh, so – That's why I always feel a little weird because I I, I just feel like I should try it first on my own before I even, you know, like before
0: I even look for the help. Yeah. So I I think the other challenge would be like you also want to interact with chat. So on some level, you can't avoid everything. Like even if you are trying to avoid seeing something from chat that might influence your line – If you want to like say hello to the people coming in or shout out your like whatever, answer questions or shout out subscribers, you kind of got to look at chat. So it seems like you would incidentally maybe see some of that information, even if you're not trying to just to like run a good stream, like some of that's going to happen incidentally.
2: Correct. Like no no matter what I do, I'm still going to see part of chat. Like it's just going to happen. Right. For exactly those reasons, someone subs, someone, you know, donates anything along those lines so you're going to see chat however i like it does it, it it only feels weird for me when i look at chat in a tournament when it's not at a tournament i don't really like care cuz it's like you know it's not that like a high stakes thing like oh no i'm on the ladder whatever right <laughs> like <laughs> yeah I, I so so it it really i only really feel
1: weird at tournaments what about accidental cheating like Let's say you're playing a match and you have no intention of cheating or anything. You're interacting with chat. And then some person in your chat goes to the other person's stream, looks at their hand, copies it down, dumps it in your chat. And you read it before the mods get to it. Right. So what happens?
0: The few times I've done streams, I will say... uh, the chat's been awesome. Like, they they re- have been really good about stuff like that. But I usually just tell chat ahead of time, like, please don't do this. Like, it, and this would be the type of thing where you would get, like, timed out or, like, suspended from chat. So just try to give everyone fair warning that, like, that's not what this is about. And uh, so far, I have not really had any issues with that uh, in the few times I've played tournaments. Have you any, had any issues with that, Krem? You've played more uh, online tournaments than I have. I mean, I've been pretty good about it. My chat hasn't. Been like, oh, well, you know, because they
2: actually know themselves to like kind of just kind of like just like watch over each other. Like, hey, he's in a tournament. Don't, you know, don't get him like kicked out or like suspended or something because, you know, you decided to give hardcore outside assistance. So, yeah. So like it like I've had I mean, there are some people who intentionally try to go in and just like you'll have people where maybe they just want to see you get in trouble. So they'll just try to just say the answer. But luckily, you know my mods and everybody has been pretty good about like l- like shutting it down instantly.
0: So yeah, and I, I think having good mods is definitely important if you're gonna play tournaments online and have a, a relatively big audience. If you got like two people watching, then it, it probably is different. But
2: yeah, also like when when there's a lot of people watching, the text moves pretty quick, right? Like l- let's be honest here, how many you probably can't read every single line <laughs> if i'm being if i'm being completely honest it, it, unless i am just sitting there and just hardcore scrolling up and down chat and like taking it all in but yeah i don't i don't i don't i haven't had to worry about it luckily my chat's been very good about it
0: yeah i was going to say that too richard mentioned like oh maybe like someone like lsv comes into your chat and actually has really good advice i think once you have 500 or a thousand or 1500 people that are, that are in your chat. I don't even know if that is all that helpful because it is really hard to, to find, to even see all the messages for one. I think it's kind of impossible once you have a lot of people in your chat. And I'm sure that. In those scenarios, there are really good magic players giving really good advice with better plays than I'm figuring out. But it's just impossible to pick out the those voices from the huge, you know, crowd of people yelling different things and telling you how you punted or suggesting yeah. lines that just obviously don't work or subscribing or donating or talking about what they had for breakfast. So I think once you have a lot of people in chat, it's really hard for you to get any outside assistance uh, out of it for the most part cuz it's just so overwhelming.
2: Yeah, like there's just it's like a sensory overload, right? There's like 9000 things going on simultaneously. So, you know, like it's it's very difficult to like get actual outside assistance.
1: Oh, hold on guys. What do you guys think I have about- a text message. It's redo. He's Ooh. asking if he should scoop opponent play turn one. <laughs> turn one watery grave. <laughs> the answer is yes, outside assistance. <laughs>
0: ah oh, that's I didn't realize Reed, Reed Duke's Jun success came from texting Richard you know you didn't know, you know Reed is just the
1: front man you know, I'm just hiding in the nose. yeah I yeah I'm actually I like I'm actually the, the father of Jun
0: what you yeah, don't know well, about I haven't Richard. seen Reed play many strangle guys so that works that, against that that, that is that for that when his
1: back against the wall and all hope is lost is when he sideboards them in you know he doesn't want to use the secret tech too early it's not that point in the anime yet yeah
0: <laughs> That's the tech right there. <laughs> so what do you guys think about streaming with a delay for tournaments? Just, I know my experience has been like, I won't even, if someone says you have to have a delay to do a tournament, at this point, I will probably not play the tournament. Correct. I'd rather just do a non-tournament stream and be able to interact with chat than do a tournament stream and not be able to interact with chat. 100%
2: correct. Like, that, all right, like that's how I would look at it as as someone who would like they've tried to ask me to do delays and uh, like but they, it's never been mandatory they're just like well here you go you know do do it with the delay if you'd like and I I, ne- I never use the delay. Like if you want to come and stream snipe me, sure, whatever. I don't even care if you openly tell me you snipe me. Just leave a sub, <laughs> like, like you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> like you know what I mean. Like I, I just or, don't
1: care. You can stream snipe it. me, okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, cue snipe me, whatever, right? Like you, you go for it. <laughs> like and 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 that's just kind of how my thoughts are on on that as a whole. So if I don't even care if you're sniping me, then then you know like I definitely don't care enough to like. You know, be like, oh, delay, because I, I once again would rather just have a good stream. Because having a good stream is higher EV than than anything that could go on. But like, you know what I mean? Like having a stream that's like fun, interactive, and and just enjoyable for the the viewing viewing experience is much better than like, yeah, the ten minute yeah, awkwardness where I'll ask, you know, like, hey, today, how was the weather? Fifteen minutes later, oh, there was rain. Hmm.
0: it's it's so awkward yeah Yeah. i'm exactly the same way like oh the couple of times that i have had to stream with the delay like in the distant past uh, i did not enjoy it at all like and and maybe it's just how i like to stream where i like to interact with you i'm sure if you're someone who is mostly just playing, and chat is kind of secondary. Maybe it's not as big of a deal, but the way I stream, having a delay just absolutely kills it for me. I like, I feel like I'm doing a YouTube video almost, and like answering the comments like an hour after the fact, which is just so awkward on a stream.
1: Yeah, and I think most tournaments. All right, so oh, I was gonna say most tournaments deal with this, right? Like, the bigger you are, the more. Likely. And this this bar is actually really low. The more likely is your EV from streaming is much higher than whatever the heck you're doing. So the minute you put rules on to like negatively impact the stream for the streamer, the streamer will not participate. Right. And yep. if we're talking at like, you know, at tens of people or hundreds of people, you're already like people are already making this choice. Like when a person that pulls in like 50,000 people, uh, you know, They are the draw of the tournament, right? And if they don't want to come, your tournament just, like, took a big blow. So I think we'll just ultimately cater to the streamers, right? Which means that this is mostly for entertainment, right? It's a means of entertainment. This is not, like, the be-all, end-all of competition. That's, like, for somewhere else. This is, like, we're just having fun playing a tournament, right? There are some stakes, but, like, just don't take it super seriously, you know, allow people to do what they do normally, which is talk to chat, talk with your friends or whatever, right? Like stream normally. And I think that's the way tournaments will go going forward because it'll be dictated by streamers and the streamers won't be like, yeah, I'll put a 15 minute delay or I'll kill my stream. Like, no, right? They're not going to do it. So you have to cater to them.
0: And and I assume it's higher EV for the company too, like, or the tournament itself. Like from Wizards perspective, they would much rather have, you know... 20,000 people or 50,000 people watching entertaining streams of this tournament than having many fewer people not enjoying those streams and getting like a, a more paper like result or whatever, like a higher level of competition or accuracy or whatever. So I think from from Wizards perspective, too, they would much rather have good streams and slightly less competitive uh, results for arena tournaments than have bad streams and have the equivalent of like a paper pro tour where everything is, you know, exactly by the book and there's no whiff of any outside assistance because it's on a delay and all that stuff. So I think it's a better choice for the game companies too honestly anyway uh any other thoughts on uh on this topic before we hit up a couple other things today okay so topic number two we got confirmation that modern horizons is coming out a li- or modern horizons 2 rather is coming out a little earlier than i expected richard when is mh2 dropping
1: all right so wizards sent out a wpn update to stores uh, the answer is June 11th pre-releases start June 4th, uh, but June 11th is the official release date. I don't know when preview season starts, but maybe a couple of weeks before that, but we're looking at June for Modern Horizons 2.
0: Yeah, I would assume, like, midway through May probably would be spoilers, and then you have pre-release, and then you have release. So, uh, middle end of May, most likely, which uh, which is fine, because we're hitting uh, Strixhaven here shortly uh, anyway, oh, so yes, we're going to have more are. spoilers through April. Is there anything in specific that you really want to see in the set? Uh, it, it could be a new card if you want to, although those are a little bit harder to uh, design off the top of your head, or even a reprint. Is there anything you're really hoping shows up in Modern in MH2? What weird. <laughs> well, I think you're gonna be right, Krim. <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: like like fetch lands. Oh my gosh, gee golly. That's it, really. Fetch lands, fetch lands, fetch lands. That should be the first thing, right? That that is all like that's the big elephant in the room. I'm sure they're already knowing like they know that when this comes out, pe- the first thing people are gonna ask is where are the fetch lands? Second, uh what I'd like to see is a broken Demir card. All right, you know, I would like no no personal bias whatsoever. Uh, just I would like to see a broken Demir card. Give give me like a super counter squall or something like a, a two mana Demir, like I don't know command or something, right? Uh, but at the same time, I have a strange feeling. I'm we're we're how, how much do you want to bet on right now? Like like right here, you can quote this episode. There's gonna be a broken simic card that's going to have to get or a green card that has to get banned <laughs>
0: yeah, that, that is kind of a tradition the last couple of years so I, I don't know if i would bet against that honestly <laughs> <laughs> i'm like willing i'm willing to bet
2: that there's going to be some broken green card that's going to make me punch my monitor <laughs> uh,
0: i i really want oh and this this is probably probably a bad idea i want force of will i want force of will in modern give me force oh, of will geez, no. or are, uh, Seth, want... are
2: you sure you want that or it, it might be better in theory but do you actually want that because think about it force of uh. negation is already annoying right for some people <laughs> i mean i like the card don't get me wrong i love the card uh, but, but are you <laughs> sure you want
1: that you can just play Legacy, oh. Seth. Like If you want to cast <laughs> yeah. Force of Wills, just play any older format. You want this to be a blue-only okay. format?
0: <laughs> okay, okay. Let me let me change that then. Not Force of Will. I want Force of Negation, Essence Scatter. Essentially Force of Negation, but for creatures. Why you- if that we, if I can we, see. If just having Force of Will is too good, because there's so many, like, creature combo decks at the heart of modern that's one of my big problems with force negation like sure it's great if you're up against ad nauseum but if they're like heliod comboing you or if they're amulet tightening you or playing any of the other like creature based uh, hammer time combo decks like it just doesn't do much in those matchups so how about that how about force negation but for creature spells good, good news for you, I, Seth. that's fine
1: I, i've granted that's your fine. wish it's called slaughter pact
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: like like that's, that's a free Removal spell right like, Oh
2: you okay there would have to be slaughter Pact with no paying on the upkeep Cause that's, that's a just, I mean just, you just gotta play black free right? pack. That's not bad <laughs> No you gotta pay black and two mana Although you would then question Wait hold on how can we trust Krim He did lose at a GP By not paying <laughs> for his pact So Krim's yeah, it like <laughs> what, oh, did what, you what really? <laughs> there's no cost Wait there's a cost why What it was, was I was playing 2021 Magic in 2013. (laughs) I think I'm just actually a time traveler. You don't know that yet. (laughs) Um. Legit, though. I think that a force of negation, but for creatures, is very possible. And it's also not great. <laughs> yeah, like why would you ever
1: play that, right? You you would never <laughs> play that against a fair deck. You're just gonna two for one yourself, and then Aha, would you main I've deck this? your <laughs> yeah, no. Would you main deck this?
0: Like, how would you play this? I would mean, just play Sliver. I, I would never. Uh, all right, back to Force of Will then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if that's not good <laughs> you enough. See, there, let's there's just, this let's just weird line, well. right? Where, okay, what if
2: what if it was Force of Will, but the cost <laughs> to play it for free was much higher? So, like. Let's say mana. (laughs) Like two mana. You can't no, no, no. It'll still be free, right? But you'll like let's say have to exile two
0: cards that are blue. Ooh. Okay. Okay. I could I could see that. Maybe a bigger drawback.
2: Or even better, like, you know, you exile a blue card, but you lose life equal to the CMC of the spell.
0: Ooh. Okay.
2: And I mean, I'm 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 taking that a little bit from Yu Gi Oh, where there was a card <laughs> called Solemn Judgment, where you would just it would be essentially a counter spell,
0: but you lose half your life. You could even have it be lose half your life. Although then, half your life, then feels maybe just all the unfair decks play it. Death <laughs> Shadow would jam lose half, their this half their life. Yeah. so
2: fast. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, like I, I guess I guess that's that would be the one thing. Death Shadow would just immediately be the go to deck. However, I don't know. Like I think a
0: cost like that, right, would be pretty good. What about you, Richard? Other than uh, a improved 2021 Tarmogoyf. I was life, just going to say Force of Tarmogoyf. It's called <laughs> Tumogoyf. Tumogoyf. The sequel to okay, okay, the we first go.
1: You, you, you pitch a green card to cast Tarmogoyf for free, but the pitching is actually to your graveyard, so you get to power it up by one, too, because it needs more power. I don't even know if is playable. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's <laughs> right, but it's a, it's a good experiment. <laughs> force of Tarmogoyf. How about instant speed? Tarmogoyf
2: would have to helix and draw a card at two mana and have its vanilla like its original star. You're, you're
1: slowly making Uro which we can't have. But can we? <laughs> oh, weird. <laughs> <Can, can, laughs> <laughs> instant speed Force of Tarmogoyf. So end of turn, I Force of Tarmogoyf. <laughs> Allowing me to untap and attack you For a good old like three damage You know like
0: <laughs> I love it, I, love it. I, think, I think that would probably be safe for the format And then it gets force negation
1: Yeah Crib's <laughs> yeah, you, gonna be like mocking it but he's gonna be sweating He's like I'm, I'm gonna need to use the, the force I'm gonna have to use the new force <laughs> will Pitch two blue cards <laughs> I'm gonna
2: be sweating it I sure am
1: <laughs> He's like Teferi time traveler. Okay what? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on.
2: <laughs> Legitimately, I don't remember the last time I saw a Tarmogoyf and was actually afraid. Like if I lost, it wasn't because of Tarmogoyf. It was everything before the Tarmogoyf. It could have been like uh, the seven mana one one from Scourge and I would have lost.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh serious though, I don't want to see any cards from Modern Rises 2. I, I am convinced that it'll, Modern will be ruined again on the release of this set. They're going to put some OP cards in. Modern is going to play like 2021 Magic again and uh i don't want to see these cards. I don't want to see more fatal pushes. I don't want to see more of those types of cards because they they will print them to sell packs. And
0: i'm i'm still a big modern horizon supporter. Like yes, it caused problems, no denying that. Yes, some of the cards were too good, but i really love how it powered up a lot of a lot of underpowered decks uh, and improved them. And it gave us some cards that were not broken but arguably like pretty fun and interesting like the yagnas of the world that created an entirely new deck that is definitely tier two or tier three but it exists and you can do it now so i guess maybe i'm just too much on the glass half full side of things but i, I tend to focus on all the things i really liked about it and i don't know block the the hogax and so forth out of my mind
1: <laughs> but but they don't use yagmock to sell the pack set. they have to put basically an Uro or an Oco in the pack to, to sell it, right? Like, all the fun Build Around Me cards are not what's selling the, the decks, right? Or the the packs.
0: Yeah, that that is true. And even, like, Renin6 is definitely, like... That was one of the cards used to sell that set. And that was definitely on the edge of being too good and probably was too good for legacy. So uh, yeah, at the same time, some of the cards that broke the format the most were not the cards selling the packs. It was like, Hogak was like, Hey, this might be cool in commander. And then it just like <laughs> broke the format or astrolabe, like oh, prophetic prism minus one mana. That'll be fine. And then that broke the format. So it's not always the, the face cards that end up doing the breaking. I don't think when it comes to modern horizons, at least.
1: Yeah, I'm more concerned about astrolabes and fatal pushes than Hogak. Because like something like Hogak, like yeah, it breaks modern for a while, but it's like very obvious and they just get rid of it. But something like Astrolabe just like sits around for basically forever. Right. Fatal Push, I still think, is bad for the format. It's still here. Right. Like, Fatal stuff like push that just lasts forever bad because for it's not the format. It, it is 100% <laughs> that is the
0: term player's players. It, it is it
1: 100% <laughs> does not allow you to play like fair decks. Right. And this is why modern doesn't play fair decks anymore. Right. Like you, you just skew towards big finishers and like value engines because everything gets removed. But that is neither here nor there. I confirmed with Reed Duke; he agrees with me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I just don't like like these weird I don't know, right? Like we like modern for a reason, and Wizards is a really like intent on selling packs, and they change modern a lot, and modern's not supposed to change that much. So I don't like Modern Horizons. But you know, if they make a Force of Tarveng, I'll play it. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: I think I've just given up on on modern not changing because it's not like five years ago when you got a new standard set and we were like scraping around to make a top 10 list. Like now every standard set has a bunch of stuff that's going to be like good to broken in modern, it feels like. So I guess I've just given up on that and I'm kind of like, what harm can modern horizons do that wizards couldn't do in (laughs) Strixhaven, <laughs> or was it already going to do <laughs> what? Yeah. could
1: hard legacy vintage. I'm sure these players are very happy about their like five thousand dollar investment going out the tubes, right? Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah that that is that is true. Oh. well, it'll be interesting. But before we get to that, we have we have a whole Strixhaven spoiler season that's coming first, and uh, that's going to be super exciting. We don't have new cards from Strixhaven yet, but. We did get some new promos that came out this week, Richard. Uh, what cards did I give you away for the Japanese Planeswalker Championship? Uh, whatever that is, I cannot actually figure out what the tournament itself was. Just what the promos for the tournament are. Yeah, I don't even know when that got confirmed. By the way,
2: like when did that happen?
1: We we can't figure out. So the Japanese Planeswalker Championship series has been going on for like two years minimum. It's like 2019 is when, uh, they started making promos for them. Uh but the promos are uh with new art, uh Basri Cat, Vito, and Seasoned Hallowblade. And they are respectively first uh first prize winner, top eight winner, and participation. Given the quality of these cards and uh you know how they split it, it's gotta be something like F or slightly bigger, but not like Grand Prix level, right? It's not like a expensive tournament given these cards. Uh, but probably maybe like better than game day but worse than grand prix eh,
0: i mean they're not bad promos i guess basry is a little bit of a dud as a planeswalker it hasn't really caught on too much Vito's a card that people play a lot in commander and hollow blade has seen a lot of play i actually i think Hollowblade is my favorite of the bunch just because i think that's the one where the new art is most better than uh than the old art for me at least uh, I, I think that all the artworks
2: alone make me want them, but that's just because I really, really like the artwork. As for the cards, I would never play any of these. <laughs> <laughs> fair, if, fair if I'm enough. being honest, I would never play any of these, so, you I know, like, but I you like know, Bastard I'm a Cat. promo, uh, yeah, Battery's cool, but like I mean, like, I... <laughs> I would never, I just, you know, once again, play style. I would, I would never play it, right? But I would want to own these because these look sweet. Like,
0: the, I, I'm a promo guy, right? So I do love me some promos. And and what a, this looks amazing. What do you think about having the place number on them? Do you like that or dislike that? I guess they've done it a little bit before, but I just haven't really noticed it. Do you think that adds or takes away from the aesthetic of the card?
2: I like it. I, I like the, the place uh, on it. I mean, I think it'd be cooler if there was first, second, and third, but then that means now we're talking about, like, you know, like, five promos as opposed to, like, just three being printed.
1: I mean, given that anyone can just buy these all the time, like, I don't think it means anything, right? But, I don't know. It's fine. It'd be cooler if, like, it was, like, arena locked or something, right? Where, like, if you had a first place plazery, it meant you won something, right? Nah, I just, like, bought it from the store. And like, on yeah. arena,
2: like 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 you win the thing, and what they'll do is they'll just put like your actual face on the card, like as in they'll be like, "Hey, send us a screenshot of your face, and we will literally just upload it onto
0: the card." <laughs> so you're not going to be more scared, Richard, if uh, if your opponent plays a bass cat with a number one on it compared to a normal 3 you're not going to be like, "Whoa, that that person must be really good at magic." No. I mean, no. no, no,
1: just like I ignore like your mythic frame. On arena, I, you know, you know what I actually respect—the one on Moto. <laughs> I'm like, this, this this person's played a lot, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs>
2: I don't understand the frames on Modo, so I'm never interested. But like, it's, it's the mythic
1: color, like they played a lot, <laughs> right? And like, oh this, this, this really? poor well, soul has this played a lot blossom. of Moto. <laughs>
0: So I do think it's kind of a funny flex, though. Yeah. <laughs> like my number my number one Basri. Honestly, if you play the Basri and
2: like like I would just, if I won it, right, and it was like an exclusive to you thing. And even though Basri is not playable,
0: like I would play it in my Esper Control deck. right? Just like, hey, check it out. <laughs> yeah. When, when Mono White became the best deck in Standard for a bit and Bassery still didn't see any play, that's when I kind of realized that it probably wasn't going to happen for Bassery. You didn't play Birds. So. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> It's not that bad. <laughs> oh. All right. Uh, I think we have some fish mail. I we don't have any more big topics. So Richard, uh, fish mail us.
1: All right. If you have questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish And we'll get to your questions on air. First question. At Urmeet. I was planning on a Mirage <laughs> draft for my 40th birthday, but the price spiked uh, for sealed products, I realized that it would be unfeasible. This made me sad and led me to wonder, how do you guys deal with nostalgia?
0: Ooh. I think for me, uh, Commander is a really good nostalgia format. I think, I think that is the main way that I get my nostalgia fix is uh, because Commander is so like casual for the depending on your play group but because it's uh, designed to be a casual format you can play kind of whatever you want for the most part and make your deck at least somewhat functional if you have some decent support cards so I think that's uh that's the easiest way to get the nostalgia fix
2: yeah that that's what that would be my go-to just playing commander I mean you could just do what I do and force it anyways and then lose but like like in a 60 card format but just don't be upset when you lose because you're like oh I mean, like example. I <clears throat> I filmed a video uh, recently because you know Historic Anthology came out. What my hand, my my hand, my in like in hand was the best looking hand I've ever seen in my life. It was two Think Twices and a Sphinx's Revelation. <laughs> I, I lost, but the thing here is, <laughs> but but like I casted <laughs> Think Twice. I drew <laughs> two cards for five mana. I love Think Twice. Is that a good card, though? No, that's definitely a pet card. Uh And it's, it's just fun playing it. It's just fun playing it.
1: So sealed is really tough. I remember I was looking into getting some Fallen Empires cards. So, uh, like, a set of Fallen Empires is, like, 50 bucks. Like, one of every single. Like, a sealed box is, like, hundreds of dollars. Uh, so like the old sealed products are just really hard because they're just rare, right? It's not because they're particularly valuable or anything. It's just, you just cannot find a sealed box of something that's old. So that will be super tough. I don't know how to get around that. Um, wait for Mirage remastered draft. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, make up fake packs and draft like draft, like with an online thing. So maybe draft like Moto, if Moto brings back Mirage draft or something at some point, uh or yeah i don't know it's it's tough with sealed cuz sealed is super expensive
0: even if it's not worth anything do do either of you have a guess at what a sealed mirage booster box costs today uh 250 500 <laughs> uh <laughs> the cheapest one on ebay buy it now is uh six thousand six hundred and ninety seven dollars <laughs> and there's several in the like eight thousand to twenty thousand dollar price range just the ev mirage right. like five dollars goldfish
2: <laughs> mirage draft <laughs> <laughs> next cheap i mean you eBay.
0: got you got led that's 700 bucks and dreadnought's 120 and then nothing else the set's is dreadnought bucks, reserve so. list why is
1: it so expensive
0: uh, it is because uh, okay. it's,
2: it's it's played in a lot of Lazav uh, EDH decks. That's actually not why. That's just why I
1: I love it. Okay, so new plan: buy some Bitcoin. Uh. <laughs> All right, buy some as GME. Yes, you have to
0: buy. <laughs> yes, buy some GME. Off to a strong use start. the profits to get a Mirage box and open fifty dollars worth of cards for your seven thousand dollar investment. I like it. Let's oh. go. That's a. It's just brilliant. It's a good investment.
1: Guess. Uh, Kershnik Caleb, do you think more decks would uh be possible with Shocklands, Checklands and Pathways in standard or do you think they influence the archetypes of the standard meta? Do you Sh- think Wait, decks would be Are more shocklands? possible? So, if we put Shocklands, I'm Checklands or Pathways into standard, do you think the meta would change? I think that's what this is asking.
2: I'm I'm not really sure to be honest with you because like I in this standard, I mean, if anything, it just makes it more, like, ridiculous, right? You're going to see more, like, four-color piles, five-color piles, and stuff like that, right? So, I, I, you know what? I could see that. Having a really good mana base has always allowed, like, like, like think cons, right? Stuff like that. And even Ravnica, or whatever, re- like, Return to Ravnica 3, Tokyo Drift, whatever, that one. <laughs> like, th- that one had really good mana bases, and, like, don't get me wrong, when mana bases are amazing, though, I have enjoyed that standard. I will admit that, though. So Yeah, I
0: kind of think it wouldn't make a huge difference. Like, really? I think... Uh, I mean, I guess it would make some amount of difference, but I feel like mana and standard's already pretty good. And I'm no. not sure if just, like, adding... Adding, like, Shocklands on top of it, does that open up new archetypes? I feel like... More good dual lands kind of have diminishing returns in standard.
1: So I think you will get a lot more like three, four, five color pile good stuff decks, which I don't like. But at the same time, like standard always is in this weird place where there's usually like a set of pair colors that works, either enemy or allied. And then the other ones have like jank mana. Like they don't have the untapped lands. (laughs) Like, you know, you just can't play it, right? Because (coughs) they, they don't have the untapped lands to do it. So I would like to see a set of lands that works for like two color decks but not three color decks and they give that to all colors so that you can play any colored pair with really good mana but you can't just play like a four color good stuff deck uh i
2: I don't see the thing is i don't know how you do that
1: how you balance that to
2: where it's not good in a three color
1: deck if you control more than x non-basics or something like they don't work (laughs) i don't know I'm sure Wizards can I feel figure like that it out. That still
2: stunks that, I feel like that still <laughs> dunks on your two-colored deck. Yeah, right? that does.
1: <laughs> uh Magic Banding. I ordered Bob Rosslands, but there was a cross-up at the factory foils and non foils switch. Uh, did you guys hear about this? Seth, have you opened your Bob Rosslands?
0: Yeah. Uh no. But there's good news on that. The good news is Uh, Wizards actually realized they made a mistake. They posted an article about it. And if you get the wrong ones, they are going to send you the right ones for free and let you keep the wrong ones. So apparently some foils and non-foils got mixed up and people who ordered foils got non-foil. People who ordered non-foil got foil. So the solution is you're going to get two for the price of one, essentially. yeah
1: huh, I got to open mine. Mine is in this box because I forgot about it because I ordered it like literally <laughs> half a year ago. <laughs> and then it, I'm yeah, like, what I, is this I package? Don't... I don't know. And I just left it there. I'm like, wait a minute. That's got to be the Bob Ross
0: <laughs> I don't have anything to do with them at the moment. So I, I don't really know if there's any reason to open them up until I actually have something to do with them. Time to bust out the joy build... of
1: painting and start recreating them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You could probably
2: buy uh, or build uh, all your commander decks, paper commander decks. It's possible, right? <gasps>
0: I like my lands to match, though, Grim. Oh, well, you're a monster.
2: i have actually totally
1: flipped on this stance now since I only play, like, Commander. Before I used to be a strict everything matches person. Now I'm, like, everything mismatch. <laughs> yes, Richard, join us. Uh, cause, <laughs> cause join I'm like, us look, soon. there's so many cool arts. I need to fit them all in my deck. I can't do that. I exactly. don't have, like, 20 mono light decks, okay? So I got to, like, jam them all in the same deck. <laughs>
2: That's precisely it. You get to enjoy more of Magic's art if you mismatch. Now soon you'll truly understand when you add white border.
1: I I like white border. I play white border all the time. I'm original printing kind of guy. I I will take white border every day.
2: So like so you're a fan of the ninth ed stuff. Like I love me some ninth
1: edge. No ninth ed is gross. I like revised. It has to have the faded look.
2: (laughs) Oh, I see I like the gross look because it's also the meme value. Like 90% of it is a lot of meme value And I do love my memes
1: It shows that I care about uh, The authentic card But I'm like too cheap to like actually get the original Like beta cards (laughs) I'll I'll go with revised (laughs) Uh, next question. It's bruise day. Are we at this point? Or are we at the point where reserveless prices where I should just find one of each card I have and lock them away? Can we expect even totally unplayable ones to have a ton of value eventually?
0: Maybe. Like, probably. I think that's the most likely outcome. I think we're already there for the most part. Like, not insane value. But if you just... I have Mirage pulled up because we were talking about it earlier there's a surprising number of really bad cards that are like ten to twenty or thirty dollars. Like ghost ship one so many cards. Uh, yeah. So or uh, worship. Wait. Wait. What card? Ghost ship. Oh, ghost ship. I th- I don't think ghost ship was that from Mirage. Is that not? Is that not from Mirage? Was
1: that a
0: insulting ghost appears to be from Mirage, oh. but yeah, I don't think it was actually from Mirage. So, the question is like, is there still going to be interest in Magic? Like. I don't know. Maybe it's from growing up in the 90s and like having sports cards when I was a little kid and thinking, ah, oh, these are probably going to be worth money someday. And then realizing that no, they're never going to be worth money because people stop caring about it. So as long as magic is remains a collectible, which I think is likely, then I think the the price on reserve list cards just keeps going up unless Wizards gets rid of the reserve list. So yeah, I mean I would just take one of each reserve list card that you have and aren't using and stick it in a binder somewhere and wait another 10 years and see maybe you'll have you know money to buy a car or something with all your bulk rares
1: oh you talk about what, what were those things like uh beanie babies do you remember this <laughs>
2: <laughs> like people- are those still worth a yeah. billion dollars i think they worth like zero
1: are they actually worth a lot still
2: I don't. I don't know. I, I. I remember at one point there was this huge, like, like there, the Beanie Babies were so expensive, right? Yeah, Those and then we've never ones. heard about them ever
1: again, right? Same with comic yeah, books. same with sports tanked. cards. Like well, there, there comic will be some never tanked. There will still be some innate value in the cards, right? Like just because you can't get them anymore, but I don't know if they would maintain the same price if Magic wasn't popular. So, uh, I. I don't know. It's you know if you have them, I. I guess just keep them if they're cheap but let's say they're expensive should you sell them or should you keep them what do you think so if you're not playing with them
0: oh so i think it, if they're really expensive like black lotus in that era i would probably uh, uh consider keeping them but if they're outside of that range of like the 10 most collectible cards that are probably always gonna maintain value current prices are so high that I would be tempted to sell Would I regret it eventually. Maybe, but
1: let's say Phyrexian dreadnought. So obviously if you have a black Lotus, there's like some merit to keeping it because it's such a sought after card, but like a middling card, like dreadnought where it's played, it's expensive, but it's not like the greatest magic card ever made.
0: I, I would, hmm. geez, I would be tempted to, to sell it. Especially if you can get anywhere near retail price. Like, uh, I don't know. That's a lot of money. Like, I remember buying and selling them for, like, when I was buying collections for, like, 20 bucks or something just a few years ago. And now it's 120. Can it just keep going up like that? I I would be tempted just to cash it out and spend it on cards that you would play I'm or already, something non-magic related.
2: I'm already going to, like, get rid of all my, my, my reserve list cards. So,
1: Are you selling all your dual lands?
2: Yeah, I'm going to get a new, whole new good, like base equipment set up with like, a new Ampeg head, all of that, and then I'm just going to play some... Because ba- like, I don't use them, right? I mean, sure, I, I-, I can play them but like why like they
1: don't do anything that seems logical That's a, a good argument I mean, right pieces of paper in your binder or a whole new setup right
2: <laughs> like, yeah right like i i can have my second third work computer and a new base setup and all of that for just all my dual land stuff and it's just like i don't even really use them like fetch lands are a different story because i do use those so but duels whatever right like i don't care about duels I mean, it's gonna be weird to like get rid of like a gilded drake, which I bought for like thirty dollars at GP like San Jose, but and complained the whole time that I paid thirty dollars for an EDH card. <laughs> but but yeah, like whatever.
1: You know, I think I will sell all my reserveless cards. Actually, so, so I have like a whole bunch of legacy decks, and they're just sitting there, and they were good for like five years. But given that like my legacy decks are no longer relevant. Like, what is the point of keeping these decks? It's like a meme deck at this point, right? Like, what's what's the point right. of playing these cards? So, I sh- should I just
2: cash out? Honestly, I, I'm I'm actually going to do it because, yeah, I just I don't see a purpose in keeping them. Like, I mean, sure, that you don't necessarily lose anything by holding onto them either, though, right? Like, you you don't like currently, you don't lose anything. I mean, but who knows? Maybe one day, all of a sudden, ah, the reserve list is undone, and then, uh oh, <laughs> but but for right now, I mean, you don't really hurt yourself at all for holding on to them I think they're only increasing in value however I am going to get rid of them because it's like sure a lot of things can increase in value but am I ever going to get rid of them (laughs) like that's the question and by the time I do get rid of them it might be too late so I just rather get my thing out of it my value out of it now because I've already exponentially had like you know it's already like multiplied a silly amount than what I I had spent on it
1: Uh, but there's so much meme value in playing like a boomer deck like you go to a grand prix, you want to play Legacy? I'm like sure. Would you like to see like 2013 Stone Blade?
0: <laughs> oh <laughs> <and> boy! <laughs> the, the thing is, you're never gonna get the cards again. Like that's the drawback. Yeah. Like you're there's no way you're gonna like someday be like, oh, I'm gonna spend a thousand dollars a copy to get my Tundras again or something. <laughs> so once you sell them, like you're probably crossing Legacy off your list forever. I think I've already for me it definitely makes sense. <laughs> it definitely makes sense to me from Crim's perspective when he's like, hey, here's this thing that I would use way more than those. And I can sell these cards to get that thing. If you're just like, "Eh, I don't know, like, I guess I'll put some more money in my bank account. I, there's not really any reason. I don't know. Is there any harm in holding on to him a little bit longer at that point? Not really. Like, example, like
2: I, I'm i just getting rid of it because like I have more things I could do with all of the the. Loose funds just laying around from what are, is the reserve list cards, right? But if, if you don't need anything, like, or if you don't, like, care about some stuff, like, like you, you don't need anything, then just whatever, right? Just hold on to them. You're, you're not hurting yourself in any way. You're not losing value.
1: But Although guess- the,
2: higher, the higher it gets, the harder these cards will be to move.
1: That just is remember true. that,
2: too. Like, like, it, it's not like every day. Like, oh, is that a black Lotus? Sure. Yeah. I'll pick one up. No, you have to go and do, do like a crazy rigorous process, like, you know, process. And then you can get rid of it.
1: What if I sell all my cards and buy like a single box?
2: <laughs> so you look, you traded paper into more
1: paper. You essentially, I could like, like frame the trade. box and like put it on the wall and be like, look, and then frame your duels. Get robbed. <laughs> <There's> more, <laughs> In,
0: yeah, Investment wise, yeah. that makes sense. I think. Like, I think if you're thinking of it, like, someday as an investment, I think I'd rather have a Mox or a Black Lotus than a bunch of, like, lower tier reserve list stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. We went totally off topic. But thank you to everyone who sent in Fishville this week. Uh, If you have questions, (laughs) send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fishville. And we'll get to your questions on air.
0: And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 320 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes down in the world of magic. So until then, have a great week, everyone. And this is the signing out.